The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Good morning. Well, Jimmy, thanks for the invitation to come and uh, share with you today. It's, um, I don't do this a lot these days. People prefer younger preachers, you know. <laughs> but um, I'm uh, honoured to be here and it's my... Um, expectation that you'll know something more about what we do in Nepal and other parts of the world when I'm finished and also why we do that. And not only that, but how you might be able to engage with that if the way the Lord leads you. So I had um, the responsibility of uh, going to Nepal back in 2008 after an invitation from a pastor from over there um, to start a Christian school there because in a former life I was the uh, CEO of Christian Community Ministries which have started uh, seven or eight schools here in Queensland and a few more in other states. And uh, so that was something that that God led us to do. But during a trip to Nepal in, in September 2010, I met a people group there and learned about them. Uh, they're, they're called Bardi people. Uh, and they're the, uh, what we call the bottom of the barrel, if you like, in a caste system. Um, in Australia, we don't have a caste system. We have a egalitarian society where everybody is equal, or at least considered equal, if not actually equal. And... Um, Whereas in Nepal it's official, you know, you're not equal. You sit into this sphere of society, very much like India, if you know anything about Indian society where they have a caste system. And 60% of the people there are actually Dalit or untouchable. And people don't build their houses downwind of people who are untouchable. That's how untouchable they are. And the the Badi people... um, are really the bottom of the untouchable group. They call them under the sole of your foot, which is, you can't get any lower in society. And we we came across these people, we were introduced to them, and we'd never heard of anything like this before. And when we learned their way of life, and particularly the women, um, the men of of that particular group are fairly disillusioned. And a lot of them drink a lot and don't do a lot of work and the women uh, bear the uh, brunt of everything that's happening and they do a lot of the manual work and and they get abused on a regular basis. And they squat along riverbanks because they've got no land um, or haven't had any land. Recently the government is taking a bit more notice because of the international um, microscope, if you like, on on the Bardi people and all the books and articles that have been written about them. But if you were sitting along a riverbank breaking rocks with a hammer all day and then looking after your family at night and then being abused by whoever wants to abuse you or being sold into prostitution, if that's what they want to do with you. So that's what happens to the Bardi people. Uh, and they are, at a very young age, introduced to that way of life and it's just normal for them. So the village girls uh, are also... Uh, gravely at risk of being trafficked, uh, kidnapped and just taken across the Indian border and 
into brothels in uh, Delhi and other places or shipped across to Saudi Arabia or places like that. So it's a horrendous situation which we were not aware of until we were introduced to them. So the next slide, please. And these girls uh, are the most marginalised people that I've ever met and um, they live in villages and um, it's supposed to... Oh, can you just press the um, thing so that the slide plays, please? Should be a little arrow on the bottom. If not, we'll just move on. Doesn't work. Okay, that's fine. But these girls sit on this riverbank day in and day out, breaking rocks with a hammer. And uh, so that's their life, and right up through to, to womanhood. Uh, and if they're not doing that, then they're sold into prostitution or both. And the next slide, please. And we were moved with compassion. I don't know how that story sort of moves you. It's, it's not so easy when you're just hearing about it, but when you're there seeing it, it's, it's a very moving situation. And we began to search the scriptures as to how uh, we might be able to engage in that situation and be reassured of, of God's heart in that and, and what he would have us to do. So my wife and I became uh, very conscious about that whole situation and, um, and began to, to share that with people. And so we, I guess the three things I want to talk about this morning and in the midst of all this story and slides that I'm going to show you is that why should we help these people? That's, that's a question. That's a fair. Why should we help them? I mean, they live across the other side of the world. We don't know them. We've never seen them. They're not our responsibility. So why should we help them? What can we do to help them without hurting them? Because lots of missions over the years, if you've read much about mission, is there's a lot of stuff that's been done that hasn't been really helpful. And, and particularly a colonial perspective on missions where you know, the great white missionary goes in to, uh, uh, to deal with um, the, the lesser people, if you like, and control everything that they're doing and make them like themselves. And, and in some cases that's been really useful, in other cases it's been really harmful. So we didn't want to be harmful. We didn't want to uh, become welfare, uh, provide a welfare state, but rather to really help people. And then how can uh, we do anything at our age? That was a big challenge to us because I had retired um, from uh, the job I had starting schools here and we were feeling, you know, we're a bit past it. Uh, that was 2010. <laughs> it's now 2023, I'm still doing this. Uh, crazy. Um, but that was a question for us, and, but it might be a question for you, even at a young age, is how can you do anything? Well, you know, what can I do? And we've, we've been involved taking lots of teams over to Nepal. Uh, I think I've been there 40 times now, and uh, often with a team in tow. And, but people ask me before we go, well, what can we do? And I just say, well, what do you do? You know, what, what is your life? How, how do you live your life? What are, the, what are your skills? What are your gifts? And uh, so lots of people come and, and, and do that. So we can just move on to the next slide. Thank you. 
So why should we help these people? Uh, and I, I really found the answer to this in um, Isaiah 58. I don't know whether you're familiar with Isaiah 58, but it's a, you know, it's a really sobering um, chapter um, by Isaiah, and uh, especially in verse 6 to 8, just so that we weren't reading the whole of it. We'll go to that next slide. And, and uh, so we'll just read through this and you'll get the gist of what it's about. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So that passage really encouraged us to, to engage with these impoverished, marginalised people. And uh, so you know, I regularly uh, used that, that passage to encourage other people to get involved as well because, you know, that's the word of the Lord uh, to the nation of Israel but also to us um, that we have a responsibility to the poor of this world and just to ignore them if you're familiar and you're aware of it then you really have no excuse <laughs> um, you, you can't say I don't know uh, because you do and, and it stays with you so what can we do to help without hurting these people that's a difficult question and we found the answer to this question through research mainly and read a lot of books and listened to a lot of podcasts and from other missions and particularly the example of compassion and others and I'm sure you're familiar with that because being an Acts 29 church you'd be very familiar with the ministry of compassion and uh, but through their through their example we we could see ways in which which could really help um, and as we're already involved in starting Christian schools here in Australia, it was a natural fit for us and for our friends, the people we know, who were sort of egging us on, if you like, um, to be able to do that. So the next slide. So what um, compassion, you don't have to, and I'm not going to go through all this this morning, but compassion on their website have got the why education is key to breaking the cycle of poverty. And uh, if you read through that, you will understand the importance of, of education uh, in helping people to get out of poverty. I mean, the, the government here uh, are constantly going on about education for our Aboriginal people, uh, First Nations people, and rightly so, because it's through education that you will lift them out of the uh, poverty cycle that they be in. It doesn't always help but it, it is the best way to be able to bring people. But, it, but education on its own will not do that. Um, it will not change a nation. It will not transform a nation because the word of God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
but it's not just more information, it's a mind renewal through uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Christian education uh, in a foreign country like this is, um, is a m wonderful way of being able to uh, reach people in a poverty situation and bring them into a whole different mindset. And in in uh, 2011, we were able to establish the first Christian community school uh, in Kathmandu. Um, and within three years, we had 750 students and 300 of those were sponsored through Transform the Nation. So um, that was a work of God for which we are, uh, are grateful. Um, that school is, is going on today. We're not uh, involved with it anymore. Uh, due to some issues with the leadership but um, it's, it's still a work of God and it's still ongoing educating over 700 children but 300 of, of those students uh, were girls that we had brought in from out in the boondocks of Nepal where they had no education, no hope uh, and we looked after them in hostels and cared for them and educated them but without um, training, then uh, this is really good. You're good at this. <laughs> without training, um, it's, it's difficult to give a good education in some of these countries because their education systems are, are really quite uh, limited uh, and they teach people um, what to think, not how to think. <laughs> And so we uh, began training teachers in 2010 and it's, we still are training teachers even today. And, uh, and many of the young people from Myanmar and Nepal have been sponsored through TTN to attend uh, a Christian university in Jakarta, uh, International Teachers Training College there that was started by James Riadi. And uh, so we've had lots of graduates uh, from that. But it's usually retired school teachers who uh, put their hand up to go out and train people, and, and mainly women, but the occasional man, um, but mostly women. And we've had this wonderful team of trainers. And uh, even in uh, Myanmar, we were, were training um, five years in a row in the north of Myanmar, 30-odd uh, community schools that, uh, because Kachin State in Myanmar is a nominally Christian state and uh, so to bring a Christian education or Christ-centred teaching into the classroom uh, with improved methods and uh, with a Christian worldview was a, was a great opportunity for these ladies on the screen. The uh, COVID and the coup uh, sort of put a stop to all that and now we're too old. <laughs> uh, never mind. There are, there are other things going on. But since 2011, uh, Transform the Nations have uh, been working with local partners and have uh, established three schools in Nepal now. One I showed you and two others. One, I'll sh one of those I'll show you shortly. Uh, five schools in, in Myanmar. Uh, and one in Thailand. So the Lord is, is blessing the, the Christian school ministry and there's more and more demand. Uh, we just can't uh, meet the demand. The latest uh, school in Thailand was because of the coup. Are you all familiar with the coup in Myanmar? 
Yeah, okay, and, and most of the people who are being uh, shot, if you like, and their villages burned are, are Christians. I don't know whether you're familiar with that, but they're, they're 80% of the population in Myanmar are Burmese, or Burma, as they're called, uh, and then there are all these sort of other tribes, and uh, the Chin, Kachin, uh, Karen, East uh, Lisu, these are all Christian tribes, if you like, Christianized. They've had missionaries come in and, and share with them over, the, over generations, and, um, and they're the ones that are copying the brunt of the, uh, the army who are predominantly Bama. You can't rise up in the ranks of the army in, in Myanmar unless if you are a Christian. And uh, so what has happened as a result of that coup is that many of these people have fled across the border into Thailand and one of the places that that has happened is a place called Maesot. And Maesot is a border town. There's only a river separating Maesot and Mayawadi on the other side of the river, which is in Myanmar. And there are 100,000 refugees in Maesot. So we uh, have commenced a church, that Crossroad Maysot Learning Centre in Maysot, and that's the registration form, so that's just for your benefit. And can we just go on to that? That's the registration form. And that started last August, and uh, it's um, obviously registered through till 2027. <laughs> Next slide, please. So they... Um, there's a problem in Thailand in that uh, you can't just start a school up. It's much more regulated than a place called like, like uh, Myanmar. And uh, the Thai government have all kinds of regulations about size of classrooms and, uh, and they, they require fairly big classrooms. And so we've been trying to rent facilities and we are renting a, uh, a disused Bible school at the moment for the school. But the rooms are nowhere near big enough to, to qualify uh, for a registered school in Thailand. So we've just bought land, praise God. Uh, God has provided. We, we started this million-dollar appeal uh, some months ago, and, and God has provided about 620000 so far, for which we're grateful, which has enabled us to buy 5.8 acres of, of land, 5.8 acres, and uh, so now we're, we settle on that next month and we're seeking to raise those extra funds to build purpose-built classrooms that comply with the Thai regulations. Uh, it, it wasn't our preferred way of going forward, but it is the way we've had to move forward. Thank you. This is the last school uh, that opened. It opened on the uh, 23rd of April in Nepal. And it's open with 42 students, and uh, the majority of those are girls from out in the west, and, and they're in our hostel. And we had a retired principal, and her husband went across for three months to help us out to uh, mentor and establish that school. She's from Melbourne. And so they uh, started in, in April 2023, and we had teams of people going over there to help build that school. And uh, as you can see, the, the ground floor looks pretty well finished, but the top floor still needs a fair bit of work. Uh, we've run out of money, but that's all right. We haven't got enough kids to fill the top floor yet anyway. So God will provide by next April. We need to open the top floor. So, but that's uh, just been a real joy to, to see that um, 
school open up this, this year. And transformations is um, involved with uh, prevention, uh, rescue, rehabilitation, education, training and employment. And so we have uh, concentrated on, on that kind of work since we met the Bardi people. But we don't only do that in, in uh, Nepal, but we, we concentrate on kids from orphanages and, and things like that in, in Myanmar and then the refugee school in Thailand. So we're always uh, looking to provide some sustainability. So we have one international school in, in Yangon, which helps support a lot of other, other uh, lesser, lesser financial schools. And so we, we have this uh, mindset, if you like, to seek to educate the marginalised and lift them up, but in a sustainable way. And so prevention is better than cure. Um, you know, it's better to have a healthy lifestyle than go to the doctor when you get sick, isn't it? And so it's the same with these uh, people. If you can prevent the problems arising and provide ways in which that can happen, it's a better approach. And that's why we are involved in, in the programs that we are. And uh, so we, we do so for, uh, for the people and, and uh, in, in accordance with the word of God. So Isaiah 61 was another passage that we discovered in relation to this and, and you'll be very familiar with this passage because Jesus uh, in Luke chapter 4 um, uh, actually quoted from this passage. But he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Uh, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. But to do, this, this was the, I guess, the few lines that captured our heart in relation to these girls and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Or beauty instead of rocks and prostitution, if you like. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The sadness within the faces of these people when we met them, uh, is uh, you'll see some. And the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. You, know, you, you have no idea the despair that these people live in and uh, these girls in particular. But the promise is that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. And so that's our goal, is to bring them from desperation to um, oaks of righteousness. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a great picture. Um, and it's a constant challenge to us to, uh, to do that. And you can see the sadness on the face of these little ones. They're not, they're not a happy group, are they? And that's a, that's a group that we, uh, of girls that we met uh, in April 2022 uh, in a village called Selang. Um, and if you come to Nepal next March, you'll probably get to go to Selang. And, and these girls were being brought to us by their parents and saying, would you please take our, our daughters and uh, 
keep them safe and give them a good education. And so they have to agree to all that and sign it up. We, we don't traffic these girls out of their villages. Um, so there's a lot of paperwork involved and, and we have a lady that we, we support full time in that region, um, in the Dang region, and uh, she looks after a whole lot of stuff out there for us, including all the paperwork for these girls. And then when they come into a hostel, you can see the faces change <laughs> after they've been there a little while because they are so happy to be there. And Netra and Namana, um, who, who run that hostel, are wonderful people and, and they do um, a great work. But see this young woman in the blue. Uh, I just want to bring her to your attention because she's probably been with us the longest of, of all of the girls and we met her when she was had been rescued um, and she'd come into the to the hostel and uh, she's done all the training that, and done everything that could be done there and, and now she's gone home, she's got married, she's had a little baby uh, and that we just enrolled her in um, a Nepali theological college uh, of which uh, Narayan uh, Levashani is the Dean of Studies and uh, she's going to be a, um, a gospel worker amongst the women out in the western part of Nepal. So we support her as she studies. Uh, husband's usually in Malaysia working to earn some money to support the family which they do over there. Um, but she's a wonderful young woman and we're just a trophy of grace. And so Moving on, I just want to tell you the story of this young woman, Kalpana. That's her in both the pictures, by the way. Um, the first picture is when I first met her, along with her brother, Karan, out in a place called Gurai. And they were homeless, they had no parents, and they were going from a little room to room, um, begging to get a food for the day and just living on the street. Um, and that was her, as you can see, she's um, on the left-hand side, she's, she's miserable, she's without hope, she's um, really desperate. Uh, but you can see on the right-hand side that after two years now, she's been with us, um, she's now in her new school uniform for that little school that just opened. Um, and she's a happy girl, she's well-fed, looked after, and... Uh, she has devotions in the hostel every day with the house parents uh, and she's coming to know who Jesus is and how he can save her from the caste system as well as save her from a, a lost eternity. And so that's the kind of stories that we see all the time of young girls who are desperate, who come through as oaks of righteousness. And the next, uh, we, we, we have quite a variety of things that we train people in and, and Jimmy missed out on a fair bit of this because of, he had to come back early um, and I'm sure he's just chomping at the bit to wait until he can get back this next time. Um, but vocational training, we found that vocational training is really important for the older girls and, and you can even educate girls up to year 10 but because of the caste system they can't get any jobs. Uh, because they haven't got any relatives that have got 
businesses or, or anything like that. And, and so they need training. And so we have these training businesses. We train them in hairdressing and beauty parlour, uh, in bakery, uh, in the kitchen, in cafe, in serving, in barista, uh, in um, sewing and, uh, and other things. So next slide. And in Garai we have set up, which is in the, in the west of Nepal, um, we've set up this uh, celebration um, boutique and, and that came about by the lady from out there who's been sending all these girls in. Uh, she said, can you help us do some training in this boutique work? And boutique work is all this, this um, embroidery and they make wedding garments and celebration clothes for festivals and name days for children, all that kind of thing. And so uh, we, we trained uh, four of those women, uh, paid for their training, and they have now trained, there's 16 of them now that are trained. So they're just multiplying this training for these women. And they opened a little shop uh, in, in Gurai, uh, and so they are developing that. And, and that's not the only business um, that we're sort of working with, but this is a way to provide some sustainability because th there were a, a group of these women during COVID who were, had lost their jobs breaking rocks because there was no construction, they didn't need the gravel, so they only had one option and that was to sell themselves in order to feed their families. So we took in a group of these women and cared for them during the COVID period and started this training for them. So this, this, is, this is just what you have to do, you know. We, <laughs> you hear about it, you've just got to do something. And, and this comes as, you know, the Lord himself, uh, quoting from Isaiah 61, got up and read the scroll in the synagogue. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover the sight of the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them this, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the next... Um, so we had our challenges along the way. Uh, we've had disappointments. I don't know if anyone's been involved in mission, but you can't work in mission without disappointments and failures and, and challenges. <laughs> it can be really tough sometimes. But what causes you to persevere in that situation? It's, it's just easy to just, oh, well, <laughs> they're over there, it's, it's not working, it's a pain, I give up, you know. Uh, but you're motivated not by those kinds of responses, but rather by the example of the Lord. And um, the heart of Jesus is clear in this passage. The heart of Jesus is, is for these people, for the lost, for the poor, for the disengaged, for the marginalised. And so we're called to love those who Jesus loves and love those for whom Jesus died. 
The kids here are learning about the reason for the death of the Lord Jesus today. And the reason is for us. The reason is for them. With a particular emphasis on the poor. And if you've done anything overseas in missions, it's not the rich who are knocking on your door. It's the poor who want a different life. It's those who are caught up in a caste system where there is no hope. In a caste system, there is no hope. You, you are locked in. But when they come to know the Lord, they are liberated from that Hindu caste system because it's a religious system. And they realise that God loves them and that God has sent his son to die for them and that they can be children of God, which elevates them well above the Brahmins. <laughs> it, it elevates them from the lowest to the highest. They become children of God and servants of God and, and residents in the kingdom. So it's a huge change for them. And, and so there's no wonder the poor love Jesus <laughs> because he's done so much for them. And we love him because he loves us first. And they, they are so conscious of, of what he's done for them. And so we have a responsibility to persevere uh, in working with these people. This declaration from the Lord has no doubt primarily bringing good news. And uh, through the relationship with him, we, we get good news, the gospel. And, and so we're set free from the bondage of sin because he paid the penalty on the cross to set us free. And that's, that's a regular um, use of this passage. And it's a true use. And when we receive the, the free gift of salvation by being a born again of the Holy Spirit, then the scales are removed from our eyes and we can see. So the blind see. We're brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light where we can see, where we can understand. And our priorities are brought into line with his priorities. And on the confession of, of well, the confession of all sorts of things there this morning, uh, we acknowledge that need to be brought into line with his priorities. And so that's, that's where we are in our, our uh, world today here in Australia, in our church planting and in our Christian life, but it's also where we are in international mission. And uh, one of the things that happened last time we were in Nepal was that we came across this, this group that I showed you before in Salang and they asked us to help them for, to, to provide a different way of life. And so, by the grace of God, the church was able to donate some money and we were able to get some training and some materials for them to learn how to make soap. It's interesting. You've got the untouchable people making soap <laughs> to cleanse. And so they're making hand soap, washing powder, uh, disinfectant and toilet cleaner. 
and uh, now we're helping them to become uh, a little business to, to get them off the riverbank and out of their other way of life. You know, we can, we can um, think, well, you know, that's good. That's good that Transform the Nation's doing that. And it's good that other missions are doing similar things. And there are many, many missions. And even in Nepal, there's 28 million people there in this little strip of land. And there are lots and lots of people doing all kinds of things. But you're, we're only scratching the surface of what needs to be done. But you can say, well, it's, it's really good and praise God that that's happening. But... You know, I'm comfortable here in Caloundra <laughs> or wherever you live in the Sunshine Coast. It's a pretty nice place to live, isn't it? And the king will say to those on his right when it comes to the judgment, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you, since the creation of the world. This has always been God's plan. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me and I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I've highlighted these uh, verses for what Jesus said and what is our responsibility. He said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. He doesn't say, I gave something to eat, even though he did and does, because everything comes from God. But he does it through us. We are his hands and his feet. And that's the plan for the church to be the hands and the feet to bless the world for Jesus. So you gave me something to eat. He said, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. We were engaged in that situation. I was a stranger and you invited me in. You opened up your home for me. I was naked and you clothed me I was sick and you built the hospitals to help. I was without education and you built the schools. I was imprisoned and you came to visit me. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. It's a challenge, isn't it, in our comfortable way of life. So we'll move on. And, and it's a challenge that Transformations has taken up as best as we're able. Prevention, rescue, rehabilitation, education, training and employment. That's what we seek to do in response to what Jesus said. It was a characteristic of, of his people. He was praising those who did this. And he condemned those who didn't. Acts 29 churches uh, across the world, there's over 800 I believe now. I've only been a member of an Acts 29 church for the last few years. Prior to that I was part of the Christian Brethren movement, if that any, means anything. Um, but we're independent churches which agree 
that the most effective way to obey the Great Commission is to go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, and this is through planting healthy churches. And the reason Jimmy came across to Nepal last time is because early in, in 22, uh, Restoration Church in Toowoomba decided to take up the challenge to help an Acts 29 church in Nepal, in Kathmandu. There was only one. The 28 million people and lots and lots and lots of churches of some sort, uh, there was one Acts 29 church. And the pastor of that church, uh, we visited them in April last year and then in September and then again April this year. And his passion is to plant um, healthy churches that uh, know the word of God and, uh, and obey it. And so we, we met up with Message of the Cross. Uh, this was April in... in 2022 and then Pastor Peter uh, was invited to, to be the main speaker next, yeah, at, at our Transform the Nations conference at Mueller College uh, in 2022 and then there was a it's not a partnership but there is a sort of an ad hoc relationship between our church and TTN because I go to the church <laughs> So there's a connection there. And uh, so we've, we've begun uh, our first mission trip from the church in September 22. And, uh, and that was just five of us, uh, which then cemented into our, um, into our uh, psyche, I suppose, in, into our mission statement, uh, the need to be involved in uh, planting Acts 29 churches in Nepal. And Jimmy has come along as part of that. And so I think I've got five minutes, have I? Yeah, so I'm moving quite quickly. And, and so we, we took that mission trip and took them out to the west and showed them what it was like to live in a village out there uh, and helped with some orphanage kids and bought them some food that you can see there. And, and this next slide is the one that uh, really uh, touched us. It, it doesn't look like very much, does it? It's an inspiring slide, isn't it? Well, this is a little village called Dalek, way out in the boondocks of, uh, of, of Nepal, um, up towards the, the mountains. You've got to go over a few hills to get to it. And um, they'd had uh, a wet season that had demolished their water supply because um, and the village was perched up on a on a hill the government had given them some land and they'd built 30 houses themselves and they were living there as a community but they had no water because they'd lost their water supply and uh, and so the the women had to walk down to the village and load up their water containers and bring them back for every drop of water that they had in the village. And they said, w we have no water. And we said, well, what would it cost to reinstate your water supply? And so they told us and the church said, yeah, we'll pay for that. And now they've got a water supply. If, if this video was working, you'd see how rejoicing they were uh, when this water started coming out of their village again because now they've got water. Well, it's not on tap inside the house, but it's on tap in the village. And so we just, uh, that's the sort of thing you can sort of in, involve with. 
You'll recognise this person here on the uh, right-hand side. Uh, he's got his hat on so you can't see his um, glory. <laughs> <laughs> but that was at a pastor's conference in Pokhara, which is the uh, second most important tourist centre in Nepal. And um, we were out there with Narayan in the, in the middle there uh, to conduct um, a pastor's conference for a day and Pastor Jimmy was on the platform for that. Um, it was a difficult day for him because that was the day that we were trying to get him a flight back to, back to Australia in a hurry. Um, but he did get the opportunity to develop some bonds of fellowship uh, and some camaraderie with the, with the other fellows from Restoration Church and with Narayan. So that was, uh, that was a, great, a great time together. After that, though, we, we went out to the next slide. We went out west again with the second team, or members of the second team, and visited a number of villages. Uh, and this was one of the most impressive villages that I'd ever visited from these lower caste people. The government had supplied um, them with some housing um, and, and they were entertaining us with their, with their uh, thing. But they want to set up a training centre for eight communities in that region. And so the, the government have given some land with a big hole in it that has to be filled up. But uh, they've got some land and, and so I'm praying about how we might in the future be able to help them build a training centre and then provide some training in that area. So moving on quickly. Uh, so relationship building across uh, Nepal is the sort of the order of the day and, and visiting lots of people, lots of places and, and, uh, and sharing our faith with one another, carrying on. So how can we do anything? Well, I think we need to move on to the last point, and I've got two minutes, I suppose. How can we engage in the Great Commission as uh, Acts 29 churches? Well, each of you should use whatever gifts you have, received and serve others. That's it. Whatever you've been given, you need to use to serve others. And, and, and those gifts um, uh, are not limited to the five spiritual gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, whatever God has given you, you need to use to serve others. Whether it's uh, spiritual gifts, whether it's time, whether it's treasure, uh, or whether it's talent. You need to be engaged in the kingdom um, to help others. And, and, and in so doing, you will be faithful stewards of the God's grace in its various forms. So you're not limited to one kind of thing, you know, Preachers are on a platform, but it's just one, one way of serving God. Huh? Transform the Nations provides that opportunity through sponsorships, through education and through business development. And people engage with us in that, either financially or uh, practically, and, and help to do that. If anyone speaks, the Bible says you should do so as one who speaks the words of God. So Acts 29, churches planting is providing training and preaching opportunities and church planning support. And I think um, Jimmy's been talking about uh, one of the X29 churches getting a connection with your church, LCC, 
um, which uh, you know would be great because it just gives you that connection. And uh, so that, that we pray that that will be an ongoing relationship where you can uh, just serve <laughs> with whatever God has given to you. And, and that's what I find, that um, that's the only way you can really do it. And, and as I mentioned earlier, how, how can I do this? How can I, at my age, serve God in a foreign country or anywhere else for that matter? Uh, because the aged in Australia aren't that well thought of, not like overseas. Um, by the strength that God provides. It's the only way you can. You get up in the morning... God provides you the strength for that day and you serve God with whatever strength he gives you to do. So he gives you the grace. That's it. He gives you the gifts. He gives you his word. He gives you the strength and all for his glory. That's what it's about. It's about the glory of God. And then for us, it's about serving the poor. They're not the only people that Jesus died for. And I wouldn't want you to think that I thought that they were. We like the gospel to go to kings and princes, as well as the pauper. But God has called us to serve the poor. And anybody who wants to engage in that space is welcome to do so. And we invite you to chat with us about it. After the service. Okay. There is one more point though. We have a mission team going in March. March 14 to 27 next year. And uh, Restoration Church is going. We've already got some people lined up for that purpose and we're setting up some training programs uh, as well as visits out into, the, out into the areas that I've just been showing you. And you're invited. So Pastor Peter said, nah, tell Jimmy to get his act together and, and you're invited. Okay? So if you want to talk about that, please do. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples and communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcast free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.